0: Welcome to episode 32 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast I'm Michael McCall I'm Steve Pander I'm Stephen Lumat, And we're here to do part one of our end of season review and wrap up Now we're going to be joined by Zach Meissenheimer later on At the moment we've got him standing in the corner with a dunces hat on Because of his sweetie rustling the last time So if he promises to get through this one without rustling anything We'll have him in for part two
1: so uh, before we get started on reviewing the end, we should actually we've already discussed Carl Robinson in our last podcast Steve as a supporter uh what is your thoughts on the appointment of Carl Robinson
2: uh, I like the appointment I think what we're going to see is a bit of uh, what we saw in Portland last year people who know me know I don't think much of Portland's actual squad and I think they way overperformed based on a coach that they loved playing for I think that's all that can be successful over the course of a year, and I think that's what'll happen with Robinson. So the big thing will be in the second years, in the second year, what changes they make. But overall, I, I love it myself.
0: Have you been a little bit surprised with the reaction he's got? The media seem to love the appointment. Yeah. A lot of the hardcore fans, like if you go to the South Forum and read Twitter, they seem quite happy by it. But there was quite a lot of negative comments on the Whitecaps Facebook page. Your, your average fan Your casual fan They don't seem to understand the science I call them
1: Canuck fans <laughs> That's
0: a bit harsh A lot of them are going to be genuine football fans But maybe just don't follow the team as closely as us And, and people listening to this yeah. But they, they
2: Look, seem to have lost them yeah, I think that was because of the whole 4th, 5th pick thing, which I think was never the case in my my opinion. I think Carl Robinson was always a guy they wanted to maintain on the staff, whether that was his head coach or not. So he was always in play. So to me, he was always the the 1A. No matter who was 1, whether it was Yallop at the start, or Bradley, or Kreiss. Uh, Robinson was always the choice second to that, right? And as he was aware of that, as he said in his uh, in his press conference, so to me, it's not an issue, right? He felt honored to be a part of that conversation, and to me, he's right. so
1: I also think that one of the things that was negative about it was uh, people associate Carl Robinson with the Martin Rennie regime, saying that he was one of Martin Rennie's assistants. Yeah. in actuality, when he, Mark Carl Robinson was brought in, he had no association with Martin Rennie initially. They brought him in as an MLS experienced type of guy. The guy that's played in the MLS, knows the MLS a little bit to help out Martin Rennie with that. So I don't think, you, I think people are misconstrued with the idea that he's one of Martin Rennie's guys. Yeah, no,
2: the first time I saw him when uh, they were having their spring or fall camp, I guess, whatever it is, the spring camp when uh, Robinson first joined the squad and went to Burnaby Lake, my initial reaction, which I find more surprising than anything, was that he was a former TFC guy. That was my issue, right? It's like, look at Robinson wearing white cap stuff, it's terrible. Right and <laughs> I'm two, two time Toronto FC MVP as well. Yeah, exactly. In the To me that was But it's been about You know So it was a good transition Two years as an assistant coach Get to see him In uh, white cap gear For a couple of years Because Yeah for me But he was never uh, Rennie's man As far as that one As far as I was concerned No
0: I think Paul Ritchie's probably the The guy that's more Associated with Rennie So it's going to be interesting If they bring Paul back Or whether they just Try and bring in A a whole A whole new team I mean maybe even Marius Rovda won't come back could be a chance for joe cannon to maybe step up
2: yeah and i think i think i was talking to you one time on the sideline about that and looking at the makeup of the coaching staff and having you know marius and uh, carl and paul ritchie like to me that's a good you know you need that maybe another guy to um play the role that carl played last year to come in and fill that role but to me that's the sort of makeup of a leadership team that i want on there you know guys taking down uh uh air marshalling and stuff like that right you know (laughs) Marius in the airplane you know I want I want guys that are leaders you know I don't want I want someone to stand up in front of the mic and say you know that was that was a terrible performance and we've got to be better not you know any kind of spin or you know and I think that's why Carl when we hear uh, Nigel or Jay or uh, Russell Camilo all these guys talking about the respect they have for Carl I think you know that's a side-handed swipe at that Rennie, right? You know, yeah. Uh, I think
1: it's also you have to show you know support for a new coach as well. One, one I think that it's was sincere though. One, one <laughs> of that was I was very happy to see it was Ben Fisk t- tweeting out saying that he's excited to. to you know, for Carl Robinson to be the coach, because maybe there is a connection, because maybe he worked with Ben Fisk a little bit more. Maybe we see a, sign, see a oh, contract yeah. signed.
2: Well, we saw that at Burnaby Lake, right? We saw Carl with the young guys afterwards when everybody was leaving and whatnot, and he'd be out there working on left foot, you know, being two-footed players, stuff like that. You know, so I'm sure he has that rapport with all of them. Yeah,
0: I would bet my house now that Ben Fisk gets gets signed. Yeah, I, I don't own my house, so it's a, it's a safe bet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll bet your house too then But I would think so too
0: Yeah Final thing we just mentioned about Carl Before we we move on to our, our year review Is Do you think he's going to be left alone to, to see how he copes Or do you think they're going to look to bring in A director of football above him Someone that's had experience of MLS Someone that's a little bit older And somebody that doesn't have any interest In becoming the head coach That's yeah, the key that's, that's the key right there <laughs> That's the
2: big question eh? <laughs> Well, I, I think that that's they have to do that, right? Like even having to me having a situation where even if they hired uh, Yallop and said you got to keep Robinson because we want him to be the next head coach, you know, right off the bat, it's, it's I think in the last podcast Zach was mentioning uh, Dennis Hamlet, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Teeter, right? So it's like oh, he well, was how basically a Tom sword guy. Yeah, exactly, right. So I think really this is the best case scenario that we've ended up with Robinson and you got to let him now build his staff without any, without any say, right? Or bring Tommy back. (laughs) Because I've got so many more hot dog tags <laughs> that I'm just like I'd love to get them
0: out. I of.
1: think there would be a ma- massive uprising if Tommy Solland was brought yeah. back, especially by the hardcore people.
2: I never had like just random players that you have, you know, you just see once in a while at training or whatnot. Have such negative things to say about a guy. <laughs> so you just have
3: to know
1: like, it. Like I, ah, I it just can't. I, like I guarantee you, if Tommy Sylinders comes back, you will not be seeing West Knight tweeting out congratulations
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah so carl robinson's appointment will be discussed even more when we do our 2014 year review but for now it's time for our 2013 year in review so let's kick off with a look at january and february
1: We're entering January, uh, January-February, as the song went And that song was by Barbara Dixon Yes, Barbara. A, a good fife girl So, we'll talk about some of the additions that we saw and subtractions, obviously I think obviously the, one of the biggest subtractions in the off-season Before the opening kick was Barry Robson A very volatile Scottish fellow I miss him I actually think, like,
0: in in all seriousness he could have done a really good job for the Whitecaps They needed somebody with his passion With his aggressive play And his control on the ball in the midfield And that's not what they got from other players in there There's a few negatives He shouts at Bobby and a few Well, maybe every single other person on
1: the planet But I think the Caps missed him Well, that's exactly what you think shouts at Bobby That's basically what the, what the final straw was in him leaving, right? He, he, he kind of had it out with Bobby lerner So we heard. So Steve, what do you think of Ray Robson? (laughs) Well, I agree with uh,
2: Michael to an extent that as far as his actual skill on the pitch and what he brought on the pitch, they could have used for sure. But I just think the negative he brought and the tension and all that sort of stuff that appeared on the pitch when he arrived, it just wasn't worth it.
1: Do you think he would have stayed if he didn't have it out with Bobby or Leonard Ducey, or do you think it was inevitable that he was going to be leaving? Well,
0: we don't know 100% that he had, had Well, a lot, lot of, of people. We've heard from that. a lot of people. Well, we've heard a lot of things There's other things being yeah, said too,
2: right? There are other people, you know, retirement decisions based on things and that sort of stuff. Sure. As well, right? But he was described
0: as by Brad Knighton as the angriest person he'd ever met. Brad came close after losing the starting spot but yeah. I'm sure we'll come to that and oh, we, when we yeah. get to that later in the year but I, I don't know I think he wasn't a good fit for MLS and you're going to find that yeah. with a lot of the, the Scottish and the English players and I think that's why down the road the Whitecaps need to look more to South American players and people that can't speak English and they can't shout abuse at folk
2: well, look at Nigel, though, right? I mean, well, he was Nigel he did, fit in quite well, he, right? And he, he had the same sort of style as far as the getting upset or whatever, but had just a different way about it. Yeah,
1: he wasn't as demonstrative on the field. and He yeah. came in February, obviously, as we know. And essentially, he was the one that replaced Barry Robson at, at, yeah. at a lower ticket because he wasn't a deep designated player. Uh, but yeah, Nigel came over as well. That was probably one of the bigger additions of the, of the
2: offseason. I like Nigel. I think, you know, the thing was understanding the type of player he was coming in, right? I think if you were an MLS fan and not necessarily a football fan in general, you know, you might think someone coming from EPL is going to be your 20 goal scorer or something, right? Because the perception is, you know, a lower league or that sort of thing. But I think Nigel brought exactly what I would have expected him to bring, knowing the type of player he is. So I was happy with it. I thought, you know, I thought in my head I had him for five goals. You know, I thought MLS, he'd probably get four or five goals. Well,
0: he could have if he could have he finished. He could have, yeah.
2: But that's, he, that you could say that in EPL too, you know yeah. what I mean? That's his, the way he plays. That's not what he brings to the field, right? No.
0: I mean, going forward, where do you see his best position now going into next year? Yeah, that's
2: tough because that's gonna come down to Carl, right? I mean, is and he gonna do a four-four-two? Yeah. Is he gonna do the you know? Because I I wanted all year, I wanted uh, Gersh and Nigel to play in a four-two-three-one, right? And I I would have liked to see that. And then I you could see like Jay and uh, Johnny Leveron playing together in the center back and not having to worry so much about that center of the pitch, right? You or know? you could go
0: three-five-two, and then we don't even have to worry about getting a right back.
2: But there's lots of options, and I think there's still lots of options because we have open spaces, right? So, well, he he says he wants to play attacking. You have
0: to think, is he how much he was a defensive midfielder Who said he wants to play attacking, Carl Carl does, Carl, yeah, yeah. He wants, yeah, he he wants to play attacking. No, he hasn't said what he wants to do with Nigel, or even, of course, if Nigel has resigned, which he has, yeah,
1: but Nigel has. Spoken on Whitecaps Website recently That he does approve Of the Carl Robbins And I think he said
0: himself He prefers to play A more aggressive role Actually he'd probably Prefer to play anywhere Apart from right back
2: Yeah Yeah yeah. And my You know My biased concern With that Is that uh, I can see him Taking lots of minutes From Gersh right Yeah that's my concern, and uh, you know I shouldn't even say concern because really it's just unbiased because you know we've got to see Gersh in his rookie year and all that. Sort I no, you're stuff. cheering for the Canadian. Yeah, of course, yeah. But I'm the, Canadian, <laughs> if the rumors, which I
0: don't know where they came from, possibly Monday's podcast by us, are true, and he is on something like four hundred thousand next year, do you feel he's worth that in the grand scheme of MLS salary?
2: Yeah, because he brings uh, variables to the field and, and, you know, he brings a passion to the field from somebody who's grown up with that as the only sport, you know, he's not somebody who played uh, basketball and lacrosse and tennis in high school. He's a soccer player through and through, right? And I think that that comes across when he's on the field and you see that with Camilo and with Russell and the other guys around him, right? When we talk about Sam's game, you know, and having the guys around him that he had around him and the game that Sam had, you know, that speaks, I think, volumes to the players that were around him in that match. So I think in that sense, he's worth the money.
1: Uh, another couple of players that we should maybe talk about uh, more if you want to, maybe not. Uh, Martin Reddy dipped into Carolina a couple of times uh, again and brought in uh, Brad Russin and uh, Tommy Heinemann. Obviously, going back to his roots and seeing what he can bring up from you know guys that were broken down and mm-hmm. trying to build them back into MLS players. I uh, never want to hear the phrase "broken down." Oh, no. I, again, so <laughs> I was so popular last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the, and then obviously uh, another big addition uh, that maybe didn't work out like Neil, Nigel Rukoko worked out was da- Diego Kobayashi. Um, they expected him to show you know provide the flair. Yeah. In the midfield, be the number 10 or so behind the strikers. And he uh,
0: joined in January, so he joined quite early. In. Yeah. So he was obviously someone that Rennie had had his eye on for a while. He was one of the first signings for the, for the new season.
1: But he also he joined January but he was coming off an injury, so he wasn't put into the team right away. He was slowly integrated with the team. He was ready for first oh, kick, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Any, any thoughts on Kobayashi and you know what, where you thought he was... He came in with a big splash. the 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 videos, uh, information everybody. from Japan and from yeah. Denmark, wherever he was before, looked good. It looked like he could provide some service. One thing I always thought was he showed him in those in those uh, vid- highlights that he was good on dead ball situations, corner kicks, and free kicks. But he never got to actually do that in the team.
2: I I just didn't see the necessary aggression and. Uh You know the attitude that I think you need to have in North American sports. You know, as much as we talk about Nigel having the passion as a through and through soccer footballer, I think uh, in North America there's a lot more of that. You know, hockey mentality, football mentality, right? You know, punch him in the mouth type stuff. And I just don't think he fit in with that. I don't think I don't think he had an ounce of that in him. You know, so I just it's not the spot for him at, at MLS.
0: So, the last player acquisition we'll mention for the preseason, or acquisitions, is let's have a look at the drafts the super draft, the supplemental draft, which is now sadly, well, thankfully, a thing of the past. And of course, in the super draft, we picked the two speedsters the very talented and highly rated Kakuta Mane, and we also got Eric Hurtado as well. How do you think their first seasons in MLS went, Stephen?
2: Well, I'm always going to be biased on Hurtado because I, you know, went into it and he was, I don't know, ranked like 40th or something, had a good weekend and shot up and, uh, you know, so I always like, please don't draft Hurtado, please don't draft Hurtado. I wanted actually Manny and Mikey Lopez, so probably you know Hurtado probably did better than Lopez, who didn't even see a minute in the MLS. But he was young, which I think uh, to me, if I'm gonna go into the MLS draft, I'm gonna take young guys. Yeah, younger guys. Yeah, and take them almost like as if they're residency players, right? So it could could be a few interesting ones this year, but that's for another show. Yeah, Kakuta, I think was fantastic, and I think they did a pretty good job bringing him along. I know there's some debate on whether he should have got more minutes or not or that sort of stuff, but I, you know, I don't think because he scored a lot of goals at the end of the season that necessarily means that he would have scored a ton if he played more
0: minutes. Yeah,
1: and that that's the thing. And but it, we'll never know yeah, because, no, because yeah. he came on when uh, we'll talk about this later. He came on against Dallas and made a big difference. They were down to nothing, and they came back and got them back into the game. Yeah, but. After that, it kind of disappeared for a long stretches. The funny thing was is a lot of people talking about that they they traded up from ten to five to get Kakuta Manny. A lot of people said, "Oh, they traded up to get Kakuta Manny." I don't think so. They traded up actually to get Eric Hurtado, which makes it worse. Because they would have they would have drafted Kakuta at number six when their actual pick came up, anyways. So. It was actually they traded up to get Hurtado, which is actually makes it worse because they gave up allocation money, they picked up a guy who was on a regular contract, that really that could have been valuable money that they used down the road to pick up a decent player, a veteran player. Yeah.
2: No, I thought I you know, and I mean uh, you know, Hurtado he's wearing a white cap kit and I hope he does well, but to me, it's like a guy—you know—four years of university, and you're gonna like base this whole thing on a weekend, weekend. basically, right? And I
1: asked—we I remember asking in the in the uh, post draft conference if Martin Randy had watched him play in the PDL because he was with the PDL Portland Denver, Yeah. And yeah. he said, "No, we just based it on." Well, he he said we looked at other things. He said it had nothing to do with the PDL. Oh, Michael, you were talking about During the season, I remember You were talking about Hurtado There was a couple of games early Where he just missed chances And you were saying that If he had scored That might have boosted his confidence He might have been a bit different player I, I I definitely think it is
0: Like I I spoke to him I think it was after the Chivas game Where he, he had another like near miss And he was just He was gutted And he, we never ever ran the interview I'll have to kind of dig it out And we might splice it in Somewhere in this But we'll, we'll see But He said He feels That all he needs Is a goal And if he gets that goal You're going to see A different player And I think it's just Weighed on his mind So
1: much He scored in reserves A couple Two or three Well he, he started
0: like to I saw him a couple of times In the reserves Where I actually started to think He had, he looked like he would bulked up a bit And I thought he was going to be A good player I saw him down in the reserves At Portland In August And he had a great game and I thought this could be his breakthrough. He could maybe now be the player that we're looking for. But then you think maybe it was just because it was against Portland and he, he was just wanting to show.
2: Yeah, and I think part of that is the frustration of, you know, when you, when you reach a certain level and then, you know, the game's quicker and everything's quicker and it's moving faster and your touch needs to be that much better. And that's the thing for him, right? When you watch a ball come across the, you know, a, a cross coming across to Russell... And how he takes it down and the ball is at his feet right Mm -hmm. and then you watch eric and you know you don't know what's going to happen i mean you're not expecting him to just receive the pass well right you think it's going to bounce somewhere something's going to happen and you know you can make up for that with a quick first step or with a quick reaction but you can't as the levels get higher right and i think that's the difference from someone like russell who's Really, what, seven years, eight years in a professional environment now, right? Versus a 24-year-old guy going into his second year in a pro- or third year, if you count the year in the uh, PDL, you know, as a in a professional environment. And I, I just don't think you can't coach that at that point.
0: No. So a question for both of you, just regarding both players. Kikutamani, first of all, do you think he's going to see more time as a starter is he the guy that from the very first game against New York, he's going to be starting up front?
1: No, shouldn't be. Because if you got Kenny Miller and Camilo coming back, he should definitely not be a starter. But I see him being one of the first guys off the bench in a game and getting spot starts during the season. Because we all know Kenny Miller is a little injury prone. He's late in his career. He's not going to be able to play every game. So he could be a spot starter. But I don't see him being a starter right off the bat unless he completely blows off the preseason.
2: Oh, well, if they go four four two, I mean, there's no there's no saying he can't play in the midfield in no a wing position. Possibly, yeah. There you we, we really do need some goal. wingers. Yeah. yeah, and I have no, uh, you know, I have no evidence that he can, but I haven't seen any that he can't. So.
0: Well, maybe Carl will break him down in the off season <laughs> and build him up as a winger. Learning from Martin. Her tado sure. needs to be broken down. Well, my question to you both about her is is he gonna be a White Caps player next season? Do you think Robinson will keep him and give him another year? Or do you think he will dangle him to somebody as a treat?
2: Yeah, I don't think the I think at the end of this the end of this season he'll be, he, this season will be his last regardless, I think, as a White Cap player. I'm kinda surprised he's back as it is. But if they get something for him uh, you know, I could see that happening.
1: It, it but could be in a package, like in a yeah, like give you package, a yeah, couple of things like, together to get something else. You get that back. One thing I mentioned, and I mentioned it to, I can't remember who it was. Somebody else in the media, like a, a, one of the, maybe, I can't remember who it was, besides the point. Um, one of the media guys, and I was, we were talking about Hurtado, and I was mentioning, does he have the capability of playing maybe right back? Maybe he could be completely broken down. <laughs> <laughs> we use that term again And he maybe Plays right back He goes He has the capability Of playing it He's got the size He's got the speed And everything like that He just needs to learn Defensive side So maybe there's A chance there Maybe he gets One of the last spots On the roster Maybe they can develop Him into something else If they're not confident That he can play But Has the touch going forward
0: I'd like to see him As a left back left back in the dressing room.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: so we got the supplemental pick. Oh, S- Steven's favorite player He's going to break it second favourite yeah. player. Um, <laughs> Adam Clement.
0: Yeah. The yeah. start
1: of the Adam oh. Clement era. He was the only there's picked six guys and two the of only them beat. from
0: Notre Dame, the the year that Notre Dame didn't win the national championship.
1: Yeah, and so
2: and just but they only assault the in the wound we have Derek Bassi's uh number forty one jersey hanging here in yeah. the room. Yeah. Steve picked that up in the
0: whatever you call it the cap's clearance sale yeah. he's yeah. never going to fit into it though But the looks of it T- tall and thin Derek Bassey Steve not so much still so, uh, next Steve Smap
2: Steve Smapty I would clearly fit into it <laughs>
0: Yeah But we should point out Yeah uh, Slamo Tall Male model In in his past
1: life Male model Yes
2: Absolutely
1: In a band Ladies But he's taken One of the uh, guys That were picked up Just before The season started uh, Was Johnny Leveron Slamo broke it uh, before Like The Google story alerts. that they were Actually looking <laughs> into LeBron. He
0: broke the story down
1: Yes and Broke it down yeah. Broke it down <laughs> Came <laughs> up in my Google alerts <laughs> So uh, uh forward to Martin Rennie's
0: new show On HBO <laughs> Breaking down <laughs> <laughs>
1: It could go Any different ways um, So uh, LeBron, But unfortunately He was definitely Out of shape um, He couldn't After playing uh, training with him In Carolina He couldn't actually Come over Because of visa issues so that kind of slowed his process down. But overall, he was a pretty good pickup, I thought, for the money he oh, was yeah. being paid. I, I was actually surprised that when the money came out, how much little he was getting paid.
2: Yeah, when I when I first saw the uh, article in the Honduran newspaper, I started tweeting him like a madman. Come on, Johnny, come to Vancouver,
1: you'll love it. I thought, I you were thought, a thought he was fantastic from Olympics. in the Olympics. Olympics in the
2: Olympics, to me, he was like the standout Like you know, flair of the tournament.
1: I actually do remember during the Olympics, you were tweeting who's this LeBron kid, and oh my god, oh he's going to be a great player, yeah.
0: But I mean, I think it just shows Slamo's commitment to the cause that he reads Honduran newspapers on a a daily basis to to do scouting for the Whitecaps, it's just incredible.
2: Google Alerts. Oh, you've
0: given the secret away now, everyone's going to be doing that and breaking stories. Enough about the players That came in Let's look at the, the Games that were played look, First of all Let's look at a game That was played in January And the first game That the Whitecaps Played pre-season Was On January 29th New England Revolution 4-1 win And a Darren Mattox Hat-trick In the first 15 minutes
1: And it would look like The Darren Maddox Was going to actually Explode onto the season
0: Well in, in his mind he, he did And he yeah. still has But it, it did set the scene That he thought He was going to have A brilliant year Yeah what went wrong? I don't, don't know. Yeah. We we we're were touch on that yeah. later. Uh, but
1: the three goals were amazing because it was like we said, first fifteen minutes of, yeah. this, of the opening thing. Uh, I don't. I can't remember. I don't think there was a stream. We were following by Twitter or something like that. We saw the highlights afterwards. But it was a crazy start to the season for sure. Yeah, it seemed that you know he was gonna
2: contend for the. Golden Boot at that point, you know. But
0: I think he possibly won the the preseason Golden Boot. He had five goals overall in the in the games, more than Camilo, who only scored three, yeah. and all of them in the in the last game of the the preseason. So the the other preseason games, we won't list everything, but we had wins against Houston and um, the College of Charleston, an Arizona team that I can't pronounce.
1: Suahoras.
0: Yep. <laughs> Sue Harris. We we beat Sue Harris. Uh and then we we. Culminated with a, a win against the Railhawks, Hawks. Took part in the Charleston Cup, Challenge Cup, was it? Car- uh,
1: Carolina Challenge Cup.
0: That's it. I, I wrote down three C's. I didn't know what they that's what for. I did too. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so we we won against the Battery. We lost against Houston. We drew against Chicago. I mean, at, from the the preseason games, what were your expectations
1: going into the season? Uh, top three in the West for sure yeah me too I thought with uh Colorado dropping r s l not maybe not looking as good I thought Portland might not do it as quickly with the new coach and everything I thought they would be top three behind Seattle, Seattle and l a yeah i I had us fourth or fifth,
0: and I didn't have Portland making the playoffs so Clearly I know nothing So people should stop reading and listening to this I think I had Colorado mm.
1: below in USA
0: But for, for next season's predictions We're going to have Pooch predicting uh, Where people are going to finish in the conference And what we're going to do is do that With numbered balls this time No more treats, he's getting a bit fat So that was our thoughts going into the, the season The season kicked off in March And we started with a home game against Toronto The season kicked off in March with first kick and Toronto came to town
1: uh, an inspiring opening kick yeah, we, we weren't <laughs> sure of course whether
0: whether they have 11 yeah, it's like, <laughs> it was very late in the day they, they signed the alien uh, Earnshaw. Robert Enshaw, who of course he might decide to, to move here because it's closer to area 51 and his family
1: but yeah 1-0 win Jaden Merritt got injured? It was like six minutes into the game or something like that. It was really early in the game, and then they forced uh, Brad Russendale to make his debut. But it wasn't a whole bad news. We won. Yeah, it, but, it, but it in, a way it, uh, in a way, it wasn't a convincing yeah, win because yeah. we only won one nothing against a team that was barely put together. And while nobody really pointed to it, it, it did show some weaknesses in the team. Of course, the Whitecaps were still, you know, first game two, but. When you're Facing a team that's, that's got Like you said Barely 11 players We weren't sure Who was going to play Don't even know If they have keepers Enough keepers On the team It was Looking back on it It was kind of uh, Disturbing I mean, they, they, they played Like Toronto they, they
0: played Not bad I was, I was quite impressed With her, actually How they played With the way That they have been Put together First goal of the season From Gershon Kofi And it was a win And we followed it Up a week later With our second home Win against Columbus 2-1 Two out of two I was quite hopeful I thought the season's Going to go well
2: Yeah because at that point Toronto as bad As Toronto was Columbus looked like a, An eastern contender right? Yeah because they Defeated they've,
1: Chivas Pretty badly The week before
2: Well and just their roster You look, I, you know Columbus is one of those Teams like us That it's like How did they not make The playoffs in the east When you look at the roster They had right
0: But then we had A really horrible I think it was a Seven game stretch Where we didn't even Get a win it started to go wrong with the two-one loss away to Houston,
1: and that's where after that game, we and in the game obviously we had a chance to take the team, take the win, uh, but Maddox had that you know break on the goal and he he didn't finish, and he didn't set up Rio Coker, and after the game that's where Rio Coker on the post-game radio show. Ripped into them basically, they didn't name them by name, but said that you know we have to take our win we and when we're gonna it, we need it, to finish, it. we need to take the win when we have it. And Houston came back and won that game 2 1.
0: Well, I mean, in Darren's mind, he scored a hat trick that yeah. game, so I mean, it was okay.
1: <laughs> there was another ripping too during that that, that month. Uh, I remember this, and I'm just gonna mention this quickly, it has nothing to do with the MLS season. The reserves played against UBC, and oh, yeah, and they had a horrible performance where UBC totally dominated them. And I remember listening to Martin Rennie. It was the first time I he- I heard Martin Rennie rip into the team on uh, Pete Chad's Daily Show, and it was pretty pretty. I thought maybe Martin Rennie wasn't going to be as positive as he was the year before, and maybe rip into the players a little bit more once in a while. You were at the game, right? Yeah, it was it
0: was total domination. It was really embarrassing. I was actually cheering on UBC. It was it was great to see because it was all local guys that were scoring and. I mean we're we're talking about Toronto having all those players that they had just signed and they didn't know who they were going to have. The White Cats were playing like a team that had just met each other. And it's like this this is our future. These are the guys that's going to come in if we hit a bad spell. And you kind of thought then it's going to it's going to be a, a long season. Are they going to pull it all together? It was it was horrid. It was really really bad. And they did bounce back. The reserves did bounce back. The yeah, the reserves bounced back. The the first team, the next week after Houston, of course, they lost 2 1 to Sheevas.
1: And that was the game that, you know, it was actually the first start for Camilo, which was hilarious considering how, how well he's done. They He didn't just get this, a start in the first three games. I mean, uh,
0: how concerned, can you remember back to March, Stephen, how concerned were you after those two losses? Did you just think it was usual away yeah, blips no. or did you see the cracks starting to show
2: <clears throat> yeah i think after the chivas game it was starting to you know you could see that there was something missing and especially on the back line yeah the depth of it and there were things. I think sometimes you see a guy in your in your kit and you rate him. And I think Russin kind of falls into that category because I I just don't have anything good to say about him. You know, the ball would come to his feet and I'd worry. I would worry. You yeah. know.
0: He, he was. He had a bad preseason. He made a lot of mistakes. I I didn't really rate him. No. Then when he came on early for for Jay in that first game, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good.
1: he played decently in the first two games yeah he did
0: surprise me in in quite a few games but the
1: away games definitely were a worry and I remember the Chivas goal one of the goals in the Chivas game Rashad seemed like had no faith in Russen and was totally playing to support him and then the ball went over the entire length of the box and then somebody popped it in and that was kind of indicative of where everybody thought Russin was, and especially that, his teammates. Yeah. No,
2: yeah, and that's kind of went through that whole stretch in there. You could see that all the time where somebody else was thinking they had to cover for somebody, or there was a lot of that sort of stuff, right? Where there just wasn't that faith in each other, and you could see it.
1: Quick, a quick snippet before we wrap up with the march is the return of West Knight to Vancouver. Uh oh, yeah. Got, got, uh, FC Edmonton has their training camp here and we actually got to see Weston score a goal, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had a good chat with Wes and with Colin Miller and both of those guys were really like happy that the season was starting, they had high hopes for Edmonton and for both Colin Miller and for Wes it really didn't go very well. Because Wes got injured really early and had to miss out, but yeah, that was tough. So before we wrap up March I want to mention the, the Canadian men's national team They played two games in March One of them against Japan And they scored their only goal that scored all year in 13 games Former white cap Marcus Haber Yep Still it's crap but there, there we go He scored Canada's goal Canada's goal of the year Didn't really have much of a competition But there we go So that was March So we finished March with two losses And it took us into April Where things didn't really get that much better So we're moving into April now and we've been joined by the fourth member of our podcast. Welcome ladies and gentlemen from the beat combo known as Curva Collective, Zachary Meissenheimer.
3: Michael, how you doing?
0: I'll get your name right one of these times. One of these days.
1: And if you hear any crackling or something like that, the snacks are here, so just be aware of yeah. if there's any crunching or anything like that. It's not just Zach eating, everybody's eating, but he brought the snacks. Yeah, talking about jerseys that don't fit folk from earlier. <laughs> so, before before we get into March, or sorry, April, forgot what month we're in. Uh, before we get into April, we're talking to you for the first time after the Carl Robinson appointment. So, in 30 seconds or less, what are your thoughts on Carl Robinson? You know, I can't. There's, there's no Mars bomb. <laughs> you know, I can't do 30 I know, seconds. I don't. Go less. ahead. Um, Quickly. No. Uh,
3: I guess all I'll say this time is that I'm happy that it's uh, a person that we as supporters already know and already have respect for. And so, that I think is the most important thing for, for me at the moment. And I, and I also think he's a person who, who can get a job done. So we can talk about it more in greater detail another time, but that, that's my initial cool format.
1: So April, we started off, first game in April, 1-1 draw against San Jose after those other two losses. And interesting enough, the San Jose game, the way we scored the goal, San Jose was down two men, not because they were sent, the people were sent off, because they voluntarily went off to tie their shoelaces or something like that.
0: Yeah, they were changing their boots, and I'd actually i completely forgotten about that, which is crazy because that all I remember from that game is Nigeria Coker's tackle. Mm. That's, yeah, the, that's, that's the that's last yeah. thing that's in my in my head. The horror tackle,
1: Cronin.
0: <laughs> I think it was Sam, Sam, Ronin. Sam, Ronin. Sam Cronin. Yeah. So that was that was a fantastic moment when the the two idiots, for what of a better word, went off to change their boots and, and we tied it up. So it was an entertaining game, if nothing else. Yeah, if you were Frank Yallop, you'd be going nuts at your guys for doing
3: that. It was nice to see Corey like poach a goal. Like you saw, uh, you saw a little bit. Of, okay, he, you saw the, it was one of the glimpses where you're like, "Wow, okay, maybe he will provide something to the to the team in, in MLS." Well, it's kind of a lucky goal too, right? Yeah, it's sort well, of like a it, shot that he missed, he that kind of yeah. hit him in the foot and
2: stuck a little bit, and then he he put it through, right? Yeah. yeah. There we, was not a whole lot of great
3: skill in that. Class. No. But he but finished. He was something finished was, yeah. it was a finish inside the 18, yeah. around the penalty spot.
2: But again, I'm going to, a full disclosure, I'm going to be biased on every fringe player
1: that's not a residency player. So, <laughs> so uh, about, around this time, too, it came out that there was a certain love affair amongst the, the players, a couple of players. Oh, this is a breaking story. No, it's not breaking, because yeah. it was oh. a, the love affair between Nigel Rio Coker and Russell Typer
0: Yeah, it it was good to see them them getting on so well and Russell, taken under his wing might want to have a Bentley now when he gets a bit older (laughs) if his feet reach the pedals and he doesn't
3: wear flip-flops For the flip-flops um, the great thing about that, okay, so the great thing about the emergence of this is I think in life, like, mentorship is a great thing. It's so, mm-hmm. so important. And something I know personally, whether it was formal or informal, valued in my life. And in seasons of my life where I didn't have it, I felt it, I felt the lackiness of it in my life. It was a, a big gap in my life. And I think it's the same for a footballer. Whether you're, you know, that you're already a pro and an older pro is mentoring you. Or you're a residency guy and someone's yeah. mentoring you. I think it's so, so amazing. It's such an awesome opportunity. And it was great to see that kind of naturally develop. Um, and, and and with in there, the relationship between Russell and Nigel, but uh, you know, Nigel and other people, I know Smathy. You, you know, talked about Nigel as kind of being the, the the Oprah of the team this year, you know, you get a contract in Europe, and you get a contract in Europe. But, you know, it, it, that like, there's some real value in that in, in oh, the way yeah. which she kind of just Loved on uh, Russell
2: came here when was he like fifteen Was he fifteen or was he sixteen like no, no fifteen was sixteen He, he was in that age yeah. anyway. So he's got a lot of like uh, wandering, you know. You know, so it's good to have somebody to kind of, you know, play that role, right? In soccer and in life, you know? for sure, so, for real.
1: So the the Whitecaps returned to back to BC Place after a three week road trip, or what you want to call it. They weren't obviously on the road the whole three weeks, but they came back and forth uh, to face RSL. And they played. Uh, they were kind of, if you think of it, they couldn't get any goals. They they were almost close to getting beaten until Nat Borchers basically fell on the ball and gave us a penalty kick that Camilo converted late in the game. That was an interesting game, I thought. Was that the one
3: where the the young guy struck from distance?
1: Garcia, yeah, and he lifted his shirt up.
3: Yeah, that was that was kind of touching because it was for his mom or whatever. That, but you know, that was I, mean, I just remember thinking it was a disappointing, it was a disappointing game. Different, obviously, type of disappointment to what happened at the Later other RSL. <laughs> but at yeah. the time, I remember like it was sort of like a BC Place fortress kind of mentality, and not like, "Hey, we're going to get a result." It was like, "Hey, we're going to win every game." And I remember feeling a real letdown that day um, when we ended up with a draw. Although it was yeah, it was somewhat. Fortunate the way we ended up getting the
1: draw, but yeah. And then so uh, after that game, they they had a home and home series against uh, the Dallas, mm-hmm. um, the Dallas, The Dallas, yeah. FC Dallas, or whatever you want to call them. That was they, that
3: was sandwiched by Edmonton away.
1: Yes, but we'll talk about we'll talk about the Voyage Cup in a second here. But the 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 home and home game, um, I found it interesting that it was kind of. The telling stories of two young players in the draft. I remember the away game Eric Cotato came on on the pitch And that was where he had that big Really horrible touch where he had like a you know a break for the net. He touched the ball and it went 30 yards in front of him And then they come back to home and that in the, in the next game where they were down to nothing again and Kakuta Mane yeah. came on the pitch and he actually changed brought the them back and changed the game. So it was kind of a telling of the two draft picks, essentially. That's
3: yeah. a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, Dallas away was just shockingly poor, so that's all I remember. Well, they've always been poor there.
1: Yeah. At least it was a reasonable lineup, unless, um, um, you know, unlike reasonable the reasonable lineup? The game. But that was terrible. That's Wasn't the that
2: worst one? game. That's the one where you... The Martin said, oh, it didn't play too bad. I was like, what? Are you kidding
0: me? To be fair, though, Martin always said we didn't play too bad. That's the
2: worst game. I I don't think I've ever seen, like, going back to the
3: 86ers. i would never seen a display like that. It was brutal. I think that was one of the games, too, where Martin did not feel very well about our fullbacks play. Mm -hmm. I know the comment came after the RSL away, but I think that was one of the games where... That was not, their coaching coaches that was not impressive. Well, that's
2: where you started to hear rumblings to your difference uh, with Elaine saying, like, we should be playing the way we play. That's that's where he talked about being uh, Elaine at that, that is, we talked about we have the skill now. It's not 2011. We have the skill now where we should be dictating the play home and away, right? For sure. So. And,
1: and uh, uh, one of the away games that they did actually do well in, in that month was the away game in Edmonton that was the first leg of the Voyager's Cup Well, you see we did well it was yeah. a sh- it was a it was stronger. a win it was a win and that's where the curve and and everybody went up to uh, Edmonton and supporters did better though. yes <laughs> Edmonton, Edmonton, away these
3: two last two years in 2013 and 2012 has been so great for yeah. supporters like yeah. even though the, the numbers haven't been huge they've just been so awesome yeah we've taken what twice we've taken two vehicles we've taken six and eight people or whatever each year from our kind of movement and then a bunch of southsiders have been there and then local albertans from all over alberta kind of come and there's the white couch fans yeah Yeah. so they've been like 40 or 50 or 60 of us i think 40 the first year maybe 50 or 60 the second year yeah and just that away road unity but there's the supporters match there's the this year, staying in a hostel, and yeah. there's just something yeah. real special about it from it the supporters. Yeah. and then and then both the games, both the games, both years were not great. Like we did not play super well. Even the year before, won two nil was it or two yeah nil, or whatever. Was, yeah. um uh, It was great to have, Eric's. but it
1: was great to have a road trip within Canada. Oh yeah. To, yeah, for a meaningful game. Not like you're going to Victoria to play the Victoria I'm yeah, yeah. so, Sorry, Lord Bob, uh, but uh, you're not going over to Victoria. You're going actually to a Professional team and playing them yep. in Canada yeah. road trip. It's not sure. It's a 12-hour road trip, but it's still uh, well they, a It's a like great road trip. The, yeah, yeah. The only especially, especially when, a, when Slamo
2: drives because oh, yeah, he drives the wind like, blows, yeah. so But the, the thing in the Edmonton uh, match that surprised me is we never got another look at Lance Lang I totally expected him to be on trial here in the yeah. next two weeks. He was very it good was in those brilliant. Games, yeah.
0: yeah, Edmonton can feel really really aggrieved and unlucky I mean yeah oh yeah we took the lead five minutes in Camilo scored and then like we our back line just had real trouble handling Cox
1: yeah he was very slippery slipped through them
0: very easily he's a he's a big guy and it's like
1: he found the cracks basically in the back line he slipped through them so easily
3: and it's players like Cox don't come around every (laughs) one last thing about Edmonton which I really appreciated was um, I I know the play maybe again maybe not have been stellar or whatever it was great to see the joy of Tommy Heineman bundling in the what, what was a winning goal like yeah. just to see like you know how much it meant to All him day. which we saw obviously again later in the year but it was yeah. it, it was you know him taking one of the opportunities that was given to him and and really contributing to the team and, and I hope
1: his taking coming out of the entry re-entry draft taking himself out means he's coming back because I do think he can offer something next year as a depth forward. Definitely for value as yeah, well. Yeah, I like
2: Tommy Heineman. My favourite thing about him is he was always on the losing end against the Chill when he played with St. Louis.
1: Oh, there we go. Ding, ding, ding. Thunder <laughs> <laughs> Bay So if, if you're playing the drinking game, that, that's
0: one shot for Zach's appreciate comment and one shot for Slamo's Thunder Bay I haven't mentioned East
1: Fife yet. Oh, there I go. So there's a shot there for you as well. So uh, a couple of roster changes that happened in, in, in that in that month as well. It was uh, interesting because it was a, the loaning out of some players to Charleston Battery of USL Pro. It was Ben Fisk, uh, Bryce Alderson, Emmanuel Adjeti, I'm going to say his name, I'm not sure. Um, so those guys went over to Charleston Battery. Obviously, mixed results in, in, for them because of the fact of injuries and everything. Bryce actually went a little bit later than the first two other two guys, but it was mixed mixed results, I guess, on those two guys because of injuries.
0: But it's, it's the way forward for the young guys. And if you listen to our last podcast, Bobby was talking about that they seem to be going to be expanding that relationship with Charleston. There's no plans in the foreseeable future for a, a Vancouver. Or lower man, mainland based USL Pro team for them so, to own one.
1: Am
3: yeah. I yeah, the only one shocked and disappointed
0: at no, that? No, he, yeah.
1: he just said they're not going to own it. It's still possible that somebody else comes in. That I've heard that there's going to be another ownership group that starts it themselves. And maybe yeah, like it. I'm still
3: shocked and disappointed at that. Yeah, well, well, I don't know. They That's... cut the women's
1: program, so don't expect you know yeah. other things. Yeah, to but this is new. proper football. Sure. And
2: are you going to lose? Are you going to lose fans? Right? Are you going to lose people? We're going off of the topic, but. Are we gonna lose people who travel in from the valley now or are we just gonna go, oh, I'll just go to the USL pro in Langley or whatever. I don't know right? if there's very
1: many people from the valley coming in the Whitecaps oh, I don't know. I, no, think so. but the, no, I
2: it's hard to party track to, to, to them,
0: <laughs> Easy there. <laughs> so we can't wrap up April without mentioning the heroic performance by the Canadian men's under seventeen team at the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. Finished third. Very big Whitecaps presence in the team. Some vital goals from the White guys. Bustoff scored in the semi final loss against Panama, and Jordan Haynes, of course, scored the magnificent 119th minute equaliser that sent the game into penalties and then scored a penalty in the 4 2 shootout win and against Kurt, Honduras. And
1: Carducci stood stu- 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 tall in that, in that whole tournament. Mm. I thought Chow really raised some eyebrows. Oh, he a was a lot dog- of people, throughout. um There was. There was a, quite a few people in the East that were asking who this, this guy Chow was, was and man. everything else. I remember that. So overall, a fantastic performance by all, all the guys that were there. Grande Marco, And that was April.
0: So let's take a little break now from doing our Year in Review Part 1 and move on to a new section that we're going to introduce on the podcast I don't know how familiar most of you will be with a TV show from the 70s called Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads It was a UK sitcom, it was a sequel to the original Likely Lads show in the 60s But it's a classic episode from 1973 in the first series of it When the two main characters, Bob and Terry, are doing everything possible To avoid hearing the score of the Bulgaria-England game the game was kicking off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon but it wasn't being shown until 10.20 that night on TV because back in those days you didn't they get live football on the TV. So they decided that they were going to go to all lengths to not hear the score and one of the other characters was trying to spoil it and said there's no way you're going to last until 10.20 and they had a bet. And the, the upshot of it all is basically they, they get to 10.20, they put the TV on and turns out the game's postponed. So they haven't actually missed anything and they've spent their whole day in churches, ducking out of hairdressers and into pubs just to to try and avoid the score. So I just happened to be watching that episode again the other night and it got me thinking, what extremes have you gone to to avoid hearing football scores? So we're going to have a little chat about that now in a section we're calling spoilers. 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 So, we all watch a lot of football, and sometimes that means we can't watch it live. You have to watch games on PVR, you have to try and avoid the scores to, so you don't find out something that's happened. So, we put a little request out on Twitter just to kind of find out what lengths people went to to avoid scores. Has anyone had some horrible score lines spoiled for them? So, quickly go around the table first. Start with you, Zach. Is there, certain scores in the games that you've tried to avoid have you had some spoiled for you what's what's been your
3: worst nightmare I can't think of a worse nightmare uh, before the the advent of the PVR there were definitely times where uh, yeah I did everything I could to avoid the internet and avoid radio and whatever kind of thing to um, the worst was there's like people I couldn't talk to friends who supported the same club as me I couldn't talk to because I knew just from the, the intonation of their voice, whatever, that I would know, okay, we won, we lost, we draw, whatever, and so I would just avoid them, like, if I'd be like, I can't talk to you, don't text me, I don't want, like, I don't want to know anything, like, just kind of stay away, but since the advent of the PVR, I'd kind of, like, it's not such a big deal anymore, and now with MLS Live, for example, it's like, okay, yeah. like, there's not too much that I get bent out of shape for, Stephen, any
2: stories? I would have been probably putting my uh, old fridge and stove on uh, Craigslist. (laughs) 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 Put new old VCR in. What was what year? Real Madrid, Barcelona. Two no nineties. It was ninety nine, two thousand. Whatever, whatever year it was. So it's like at that time, it's like in Canada, you didn't need to worry about too much, right? put my fridge and stove free on the internet. It probably wasn't Craigslist at that time yet, but whatever internet thing was there. And then this guy, you know, called, a woman actually called and said they'd pick it up. Came over, her husband was like this Latin or Spanish accent guy, right? You know, and he sees like the soccer stuff or whatever, just blurts out, oh, did you see blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I've got on the VCR, I just got home, man. you know. So that was probably my moment.
1: I don't care about the PBRs. I don't. I'm I, I looking <laughs> for the result right away. I don't really care about watching the game once it's on. It's either live or it's for me. For me, essentially, it's either live. I watch it live, or I don't watch it at all. Or I'll forward through the forward through the game until I see the goal. Watch it like the two minutes of the goal, and then forward through the next goal. That's how I basically watch whenever I'm missing it. Yeah.
3: My biggest and most heartbreaking VCR one was the '99 Champions League final where I like got home from school or whatever, you know, got got the video, went into the basement, put it on, like whatever. It's like I was just crushed by the end of that.
1: Well, at least you watched the whole game. I turned it off after with we like <laughs> a, a minute ago in the 90th minute. I, I, I had to watch the rest of the game on on a VCR. App. No, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed off that they were gonna lose it in the last minute or so. I was like, I just shut it off it And then, it then I record, watched it later luckily, luckily it was recording At the same time
0: I, I've had so many Like not not a weekend goes by That I don't Spoil the result Of something I was going to watch and Usually my own fault Because I, I don't stay offline enough there's, there's been times I've stayed offline Like a whole Saturday And into Sunday Because I just haven't Caught up with games I was listening to Whitecaps Daily I think last season And Pete Shad Spoiled the result Of the League 2 Playoff semi-final And I was furious And said to him about Thanks for spoiling the game And he's like Yeah, you're you're really special Aren't you? And it's like I <laughs> really spoiled the game for me But some of the, the stories We had from Twitter Bretton Walters Who He always says That this is his favourite White Cats podcast At Cop Caps Offside On Twitter it said My workmates ruined The 2002 World Cup final Which was between Brazil and Germany in the work truck on the way to the job site. No PVR in sight. And another story from that World Cup, Nick Wells, Nick Wellsy on Twitter, said for World Cup 2 me and my dad avoided talking to people all day to watch the final. As we sat down, our sister told us the score. He also said he's kept his phone turned off all day and muted the sound of other games. Just not to risk the chance of finding out a score And that's what really annoys me About NBC's coverage just now mm. I'm and all these other games And then it's like Oh and the latest from Goodison Park Is Everton's this Or oh, they're flashing the scores up constantly It drives me nuts As does the little ticker tape along the bottom mm. That's spoiling games from the morning For MLS games that I'm watching at night That I haven't seen Stefan Erickson At the underscore penguin on Twitter Says he's turned his phone off and stayed up till 1.30 in the morning to watch a Champions League final involving Manchester United. No sympathy for anyone that's a Manchester United fan, I'm afraid. The great Satan, modern football. Chris Withers sent us a hockey story, so we'll gloss over that.
2: <laughs>
0: no, he was that Empire. someone wrong to score, but it was a hockey story. Taylor D.A. Stephen, T.D.A. Stephen, says, I sometimes PVR a few games at once but don't have time to watch them all. His girlfriend does him a favour by going online, checking scores and answering questions to figure out the best of the lot to watch. And she's actually learning a lot about two-legged ties. Now, that is a girlfriend that's worth keeping. It's like, even if she wasn't pretty, I would keep her. (laughs) And the final one from Neil Clammer at Neil Clamor Says his buddy jokingly told him before the opening game this season That Whitecaps captain has broken his leg early on He hadn't even seen the game, he was just bugging him And then neither of them could believe it when they sat down And their mind was blown when Demerit went off injured So that's our stories for that Spoilers 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 So we're going to get back to our year in review now With the month of May
1: We start off the month of May with the signing, and this was epic, of our family friend, Aminu Abdallah, to a MLS contract. And we move on. After qualifying for the final, our first match, uh, league match was away game in RSL where we lost 2-0. And this was the game where Reddy actually went off on the fullbacks and kind of ripped them for not you know playing the way they want to play or something something to that effect where he was saying maybe we need to get bring in different fullbacks for away games
2: Which coincided with two weeks previous. Yeah with Lane saying we should play uh, The same style home and away. Yeah,
3: yeah, but I don't think Martin's comments were more based on on anything a lot uh, But there, there was uh... no, I don't think there was any of that really no, no, I think I think the, the coaching staff uh, saw some performances that they weren't pleased at I don't think it had anything to do with his <laughs> comments I, I could be wrong but
2: well there's something in the air right you know I mean people are talking through
3: the media about each other it's well, never a good no well you well, don't know well, what's happening behind closed well, doors, what was right? happening behind closed doors was they said we need to bring in a keeper and the club said the, the committee football committee said okay you need to move that amount off the books that the man
1: well they had to do it because they were up against the cap as well so they had to bring to send somebody off yeah and they couldn't because Cannon was a guaranteed contract unless somebody took him off it wasn't going to be candid mm-hmm. and none of the other keepers paid enough to take him off and make a difference to that thing but that all happened in June
0: so let's talk about that then <laughs> oh, no 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 it didn't it, st- it happened in May, well, st- it, started it, started in May. Started it started
3: in May we don't know about that no, we
1: don't know about that. Oh, no, we do. <laughs>
3: they all said it. They all, David Usted said, my my agent contacted me a month ago and said it all started in
1: May. Okay. So, um, but they did bounce back. next in yeah, some style as well. They beat the Galaxy. And this is where the broken down Tybert finally got fixed up again and scored two goals. The Czech Man, we should yes. call him. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, the funny thing is, is he didn't even start the game. Um, I think it was by Oshi that came off injured and Tybert was substituted into the game and he scored his two goals fantastic performance it was an eye-opening one what do you guys think about that
0: game? well of course he also ran to the bench after scoring
1: to celebrate and and passed Roberts. Passed. Roberts. <laughs> right past so so, <laughs> so what do you guys think about that game that was a huge game because not only Tybert it was Tybert but it was also against the LA his the mom was there Yes. Yeah, family was, family. was oh, family. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. The Galaxy was against the Galaxy. So what do you guys think about that? That was a big game for them. It was their first win in,
3: in MLS against the Galaxy. Yes. Because, of course, we beat them in of Edmonton. Course, yes. yes. Um, but, before, um, yeah, Dago came off in the 14th minute, which was kind of ironic. And, uh, yeah, Russell, I mean, showed well. Um, he was out on the right that day, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, cutting into the left at times, yeah. Because time, yeah. Dago started on the right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like... Again, it was like one of those moments where you're like, all the all the incredible investment, yeah. all the incredible hard work, all all that was put in a, into our residency program, yeah. was was paying off in the first team.
2: Which is funny because when you see those goals, and in my head, I'm thinking back to watching him play in the reserve in the PDL and playing that exact role with uh, Thomas,
1: Thomas. Thomas was coaching them, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Thomas Nadorf, initially. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas so Neidorf's that's what he was playing, Asian. right? Is it really? Yeah. So, and then, uh, but that was also just uh, another quick trivia fact. That was the last appearance by Joe Cannon in a game, too, mm-hmm. against the Galaxy. He actually didn't play another game after that, which was ironic because it was a 3-1 win. Not anyway. on the
3: first team, but I did get to see him play Striker at Starfire. Well, well that's a different game. Um, I guess, we should we talk about that the next game? Because the reason why there was all this conjecture over, you know, why he didn't start the next game? And... But I believe he had a groin injury. Yeah, but they weren't talking about that. No, right? that was... they still haven't officially talked about that. Yeah, because right? everyone else just thought, oh, they, he got dropped, but it was he didn't get dropped. It was it was a physical issue, yes. from what I hear.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the they went on from that game with a lot of momentum, and they traveled away to Montreal for the first leg of the Voyagers Cup Finals, and completely messed up with the lineup for some reason, and put in Alain Rochad at left wing, they put Brad Russin at defensive midfield, and I don't know what else, I think Nigel Coco played right back, so it was all over the place, like, <laughs> that was a, and obviously, also, that game was, there was a pregame speech by one of the people at this table, yeah, I enjoyed speaking to them. Oh no! I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: okay, so I disagree with you on the lineup. I mean, so I got—I'm still
1: gonna say that was a weird lineup. No, 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 no,
3: weird is okay, but you said it was a, a, a totally wrong lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, I they, they think, came away with
1: a draw. Yeah,
3: I, so I was in—they in could have one. gotten a win. I was in the tunnel. I was in the tunnel. I was in the whatever outside. I don't outside. think I said wrong. I don't think I said wrong either. No, you—you <laughs> you were really critical of the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> I was in. I was in Stats of Pluto outside the dressing room, and they're like, "Okay, just stay out of the way. We don't want the players to see that you're here." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Hey, Nathan, what? Who's playing today?" And he shared the lineup, and yeah, like like everyone else, my jaw kind of dropped, and I was like, "That's wrong." And no, I did not say <laughs> it was wrong. And he's like, "We want we want Nigel to, up against Romero. Plus, we want him there to connect with Russell on the right side." And we want to be solid defensively, essentially. And I do not think that playing a shot on the left side of midfield was a negative thing. In fact, he almost scored and could have won the game for from that position. <coughs> yeah. And I actually thought it worked really well. It was very defensive, sure. But we we probably created the two better chances in that game than yeah. uh, than, than Montreal and got a. a I, I mean, in hindsight obviously it's meaningless. But at the time, what felt like. Wow, like you know, this this could be the thing that puts us over the edge. As long as we don't lose or tie at home, we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, that was never gonna happen. <laughs> it, you're
0: really enthusiastic about the lineup. I'm starting to think it was actually you that picked the team as well as <laughs> give the, the team talk.
1: But you got a draw. Out if it's um full credit for that, they returned back to Vancouver after that performance and played a rival, Portland Timbers. the first time they matched up the game, and that was the game where we had. The catch The catch and shoot game Oh yeah <laughs> It's like even man. better than, than
0: Dwight Clark's catch For the 49ers It's like It's going to be known as The catch from now on
2: The catch for round BC plays Yeah I the, the crazy. That's their year man That sums up their Portland's year right Yeah, really? yeah. It's like oh And that, that was also
1: uh, By the way also The first game that Camilo Started up top As a striker Lone striker Up to, Like without Playing on the wing Or anything like that So that was And a pretty scored the opening goal, Yes
3: uh, I remember, uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that day for a lot of reasons. One, we did some uh, entire West Curve Latifah with, um, with Southsiders and um, that, so it was one of the great things to, to use, so we used Martin Rennie's quote from the, yeah. the sounds, sights and sounds of the first kick, where he, yeah. you know, he said, we was talking about Toronto, but he said, you know, they'll take it a defeat, but we must give it to them. Yeah. And uh, as soon as he said that, like after that game, our people are like, we, gotta we got to use that, and then we, say, talk, yeah. and we talk. We to Brett Bird in the Southside. He's like, so we're thinking about this quote, and we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it was just one of those things that okay, who can we use again? Do we wait till we play Toronto again? But it was really an awesome thing. The sad thing for me was, uh, or cool thing was, my son came to that game, so of course in the second half he had to go to the bathroom. So uh, it was like the first time in a long time I had to leave. So we're in the loo, and I couldn't tell what it was. I heard, I didn't know if it was a roar of the crowd or a groan of the crowd. I'm like, Kurt, let's go, let's go. So we <laughs> finish, we walk out. I'm like, what happened? Do we score? Do we score? And it was so we, I missed the the handball that oh, BC plays. You're lucky. Yeah, it was pretty frustrating to, to to uh, to not win that match. It was nice
2: to get to boo him at the uh, reserve game the next day, though. <laughs> he was in the starting lineup that's
1: year, right? Yeah, I think people kept calls, calling for interference or, yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. like calling the uh, yeah. American football penalties for the whole. Uh, <laughs>
3: Oh, that I don't know, know Valencia's stats for the year, but in that away, that was his only goal. Okay, yeah, no, because <laughs> no, the, the away, <laughs> the away reserve match after the uh, Portland game in August, he started and was shocking. Yeah, he that was the game where I forget that Hurtado was good. That was yeah, yeah. Hurtado played well. Amanu did the roulette in that game he had like well he wasn't good at he had half a dozen power. to a dozen chances in front of goal that he shanked wide or like yeah. put right at our keeper he's gone now right who or he's
2: not gone yet they're just speculating he's yeah. gone yeah and that game brought us to the the end of May
0: I think nothing else really, to talk about really there was other the game nothing else to talk about just, just our hearts
3: all being ripped out
1: yeah that was the the one final game sucked, of the man. Voyagers Cup second leg to if we if we don't run. talk about
0: it, it didn't happen. <laughs> we are actually British uh, Cup champions for, on our goals. Well,
1: for, for, for myself, this tournament, for myself, I, hate I never this
3: tournament. <laughs> I, I, I love it, but it's so painful.
1: Always, I personally never saw Montreal being presented with the award because I actually left as the final whistle yep. blew, and I just I told Michael, I'm out of here. I'm gone, and so I left right away. Because you sat oh, there, oh, to I the hated it. I couldn't, I couldn't take it. Like security I
2: security guard, calm. You gotta leave, boy.
1: <laughs> I, I was like, I, I, I was writing, I was writing the report for Post America. I go, I'll finish this at home. I'm not, i I don't care about post game interviews. I don't care about talking to anybody at so, this point. So you missed the
3: painful. Well, another one of the painful part was all the. I want to say, I want to say, Italian Canadians. Uh, which I hope that's not taken in a negative way who were who like basically cheering on Montreal when they got the cup and like because cheering of, on their Italian players like because Dubai, Nesta, and Nesta uh, yeah it's kind of
1: disturbing <laughs> no and
2: it's unfortunate I love Nesta man I thought he was like so suck that he signed with them and watching him walk off with that and it was much more fun going to Stad Saputo and watching him play FC Dallas for sure <laughs> do you think we're ever gonna win this trophy no. or are we jinxed
1: we're done
0: no, we will win the trophy. Just withdraw from the competition. We're
3: getting knocked out in the first round. There's five teams. We're getting knocked out in the first round this year, man. No, this, yeah, this year. Is, this we're year's. This year's going to be brutal. i really <laughs> really been put money on us beating Ottawa Fury in the final at the moment. Yeah. The way that things are going in this no, competition, uh, that's ridiculous. But Montreal, uh, uh, Toronto for uh, semifinals and uh, potentially Montreal in the.
1: I think I have a feeling Drake's going to score against us in the in the second leg. <laughs> 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 he's definitely wangling for a contract isn't he? Yeah.
0: serious point now after that game I really wanted Martin Rennie gone and I think he should have been gone and if he had gone I think it would have saved our season
3: UK and I know we've talked about this before had we won his contract would have been renewed or automatically renewed.
1: and I would have been happy with the yeah penalty. because we had a
0: winning coach actually yeah. win something that isn't a Mickey Mouse cup which I of course saw presented we have Florida. games coming
2: up
1: yeah 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 In the CONCACAF and was, well, assuming,
0: assuming we were still in it that But But the, oh, yeah.
1: the CONCACAF thing Would have been like You would have had more Time for the young players To play oh, a little yeah. bit more it would, have been, it would have been A different different part of the whole season I could have gone I to Mexico to And met some nice Mexican girls San Jose No we didn't play Mexico
3: San Jose We were at San Jose And was it the Guatemalan Or Honduran team I don't know
1: Does not make a difference now Still yeah. met Mexican girls So a couple Yeah <laughs> So a couple, of, a couple of small points Well let's get away from that game Because I don't really want to talk about it anymore yeah. uh, it's A couple of small points um, Salgado That was the month where Salgado had to get a surgery again mm-hmm. On his injured After again injuring his foot Being on with the U20s That Did was just ban any
0: of our players playing for America
1: Or Canada For Tiber being sick all the time After he comes back for these games
0: Well also if we promote all these young guys We're going to lose half
1: our team to international duty at this rate Good point and then uh, another one. The PDL season kicked off in that month. A two-one win over Kitsap. That was an entertaining game. We got to scream at the that fat was keeper. A, that
2: was the old school. That, that
1: was, was the, the we got to yell at the fat keeper for yeah. Kitsap. It was fun. I don't um, think I was there the other day, but I heard it. The, the guard
2: about. came over and said that the, the Kitsap coach wanted us to like uh, simmer yeah. down on the fat bastard.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry, um, on. didn't he, want us he to he yelling, yelling, fat Was bastard. he calling the keeper that, or he said? He, no, no, the coach. we do. And then also uh, the Mumford and Sums uh, visited in the camp, who cares? Okay, oh, let's go! That was me! <laughs> yeah, crap group, crap month. Considering how horrible May was June was, I think it was the complete opposite When it came to the Whitecaps results It's like almost a dream month Almost Almost. And and a lot of people saying that it saved Rennie's job Yeah,
0: and you don't know if he'd had a bad June He might definitely have been out the door Lots of rumours were swirling that management had spoke to him and said He had a month to prove himself And
1: right away, first game, away to New York Everybody thought it was gonna be a loss. Yeah. Attacking. In fact in fact, uh, if I recall correctly, we recorded a podcast. Yeah, I forgot we, about re- that. We recorded a podcast where we talked about how it was disappointing loss to New York Red Bulls. We recorded it before the game. This is yeah. a, a, a laugh the Champions League, right? Yeah. 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 And then and then they ended up winning so we had to scrap the whole thing. We were yeah. just doing random comments about New, New, the Red was Bulls. Was
0: that at the online No. No, we we'd done that sitting on benches up at UBC. <laughs> After we watched the under eighteens play. Yeah, yeah, to chase a crow Yeah.
1: So uh yeah, that was a huge game. It was a surprising game. It was an awesome game. My wife and I were there.
3: There was a good again, like there was about twenty or so traveling supporters, some family members, and then Germany was playing the next day against the States at RFK, and so there was like a dozen, to fifteen German guys who said, "Hey, where are you from? Can like, we come stand with you?" i like, "Yeah, of course." Right. So there was another like these like dozen German guys from. Oh, so these Germans
0: were there. Gnau, did doubles. you do your Zeke chat? <laughs>
3: Had to watch with, with your did, arm we gestures. Did, we didn't do the the win chant there, no. But um, I don't, not that I remember. But it was it was a it was a great away day. It was fantastic, and you know people went out to Times Square after celebrating, and that yeah, was good times. It was the kind of game that good teams
2: win on the road, right? For real, that's what it was. And it gave you that hope, you
1: know. And it was also the game where Harvey scored his first goal of the season. And and Greg Clazura scored. With... Let's not forget
3: Greg Clazura's Greg debut. Yes. We, uh, she, my wife and I, walked to the ground well, kind of with his parents and his brother. And they're r- really great family, really nice people. And they, yeah, they, appreciate they, them. they sat in the lower section of the away supporters. And then at the end of the game, they were like, they went down and were pitch side with them and kind of...
1: After they he came, came, went off injured, right? Taking it all in after the game was all oh. over. And so soon, right, almost a few days after, or I can't remember it was a few days after, several days after, Martin Randy decides to shake up the team a little bit. And that's where the trade happened that made Lord Bob and Emil Brachat go crazy and become best friends, in fact. How many goals did Brachat score?
3: In his time here, I think it was five. How many goals did Jordan Harvey score in his short period? Well, he scored six, I think, total for it. Well, there we go.
0: I think proof beyond... You, you can't
3: argue yes. with figures and stuff Because cause you want your left, left back, back to, to be your, your goal third score. goal scorer on your side. Yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's everything. how they roll at East 5
0: <laughs> We don't really know what a goal is at East 5 <laughs> People know us as East 5 Nil. They think that's what our name is now,
1: well, we, we all know Rochard got traded That's fine Everybody has their opinions You can listen to previous podcasts And say you know we, You can hear all opinions Now the one thing we never really discussed was Alain Rochat was then re- Later on sold To a team in Switzerland For a, a chunk of money and a chunk of Toblerone. Which, actually, I think that's what the
0: white caps got, was a chunk of Toblerone. It
1: seems like it. Did the white caps do good business by not exploring options and even... Because it seems like they didn't even talk to Rashad about this trade. It came as a big surprise. Wouldn't it have been better for them to say, listen, we, we're in a crunch, we're going to have to let you, like trade you off, and then maybe he could make a better decision. It would have probably left everything on better terms as well
2: yeah you could I think you know if it had been mentioned and who knows maybe it had but you'd have to think like the agent had uh some connections yeah I no know, I know I'm just throwing that in there in case is that It's that shaking his head yeah, for, for it's... people that are listening to the podcast yeah. and not watching it there was no conversations we I knew it was a shock it was ridiculous but yeah if you had talked about it beforehand I'm sure the you know he could have at that point decided well is this the league I want to be in what do I want to do with my life you know he's 30s in his 30s. 31. His wife was 8 months his pregnant. His wife's 8 months pregnant. And they could have organized something with a team in Europe, right? And gotten that money themselves. Which would have been the smart... I think would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah,
3: I so Yeah, there was no conversation. No. Like, like, I think I might have said before on an earlier podcast, Alain's agent is Alain. Like, yeah. So, they never talked to his agent. They just... This was... It was all tied into getting a keeper. They didn't talk to him beforehand. They didn't ask him what was best. They just... And so... People want to harp on or go after or be negative about the football committee. A lot of the things that people are talking about are speculation or meaningless. That is one of the things you could say, this is a failing of the football committee. Because they were the ones tasked with (laughs) doing that. And they did a very poor job and made our club look very poor in how we do things. Yeah. And I appreciate some of those people on there and stuff and whatever, but... It w- that was an incredible failure of our club. They get they, yeah, one, they didn't talk to him because that's not how they do business. Another family, we could talk about it another time. And so, yeah, they just said, okay, we need to we need to make this happen. Let's just do this, this first thing, whatever comes up, whatever. They, they never said boo to him. But they yeah. should have known because when they signed him, they their family, they, they told them. They said, we are coming to Canada for this experience. Yeah. We want to raise our kids in Canada. We want our, our family to have this experience together, to learn English. Yeah. And they should have, it, it should have been obvious. I have talked to people who are, were involved with the deal who said it was extremely difficult and who have... In a way, reconciled with the Roshat family after things have happened, after they you know went back to Switzerland and stuff. So Martin Rennie then? No, no, no. Because Martin Rennie wasn't the one who he wasn't the one who did the the, the deal deal necessary. I don't believe. Oh. it was it was uh, the one who the one who did the more stuff. I think was the football committee who said where what's going to go and we need uh, this money. This is where it's going to come from. Yeah. yeah, And so I well, I think I think I think Martin and the coaching staff said okay we need this money the. the this player, we're not super impressed with his performances this year. And, and so I think I, I think they were involved in that this is part of the decision-making. But, yeah. uh, and, and another thing is, I know people get on uh, Mrs. Rochette for the way she has expressed herself. Well, I think she's awesome on Twitter. Oh, no, she's okay. fantastic. Okay, well, maybe we were being sarcastic before. But no, Like I, I, she is a great woman oh, uh, sure. who's passionate about her family, and passionate about her husband. Passionate about you know raising her kids well and stuff like any any parent is and I I mean I can't imagine if some my employer said hey we're shipping you across to another country and whatever without saying boo to you beforehand.
1: No, and I totally agree with her. I'm glad she did oh, yeah. do, go after the white caps. So
3: some people some people think she's you know yeah not well a very that's nice their problem for doing that but yeah well, the great a great family, it's great family. Fans.
1: and it, the trade actually came to bite them very oh. soon after. Uh, almost the next game, because uh, they play the Sounders away, leading 2-1, and... On two incredible goals, on two headed goals from Camille, including set a up diving s-
3: header Set up by Tybert. Russell Russell Tybert's right foot yeah. and his left foot from a free kick.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was the start of Tybert just lighting it up during that month. He was just
1: outstanding in that game. And uh, so Brian injured uh, got injured leading in leading of the game, and then... Instead of having shot maybe to awesome, come off the bench, worst
2: back line ever at that moment. After he got injured, <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. Because yeah. back to like ever because we have history, to mention who came on. Since '74, can you think of a worst back four on the pitch ever? A League CSL
3: PDL 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 16 <laughs> 18. <laughs>
2: Pre-res. So, because so, of, so, so your
3: time, came on. went to left back. Harvey went, to, went, center went to center back center next back. to... Was it... Mitch? Leveron. No, Leveron. Was it Leveron? Yeah. Was Johnny on... Oh, was Johnny. Yeah. And and, and 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 Lee was at right back. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's one thing that YP was that the worst retirement.
1: left side of the back line. No, well, no,
2: because even YP was starting his retirement in July, right? <laughs> that, around that time, June, July, he was starting his retirement. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But here's the thing. The Colorado goal is the worst piece of defending in the history of MLS. The what goal? The Colorado goal. Which oh, we off the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst piece of defending in the history of MLS that was. I thought you
3: said two football. Two ever. <laughs> no. The thing that doesn't get commented on about, like about that much, and I know it's not an excuse and I know whatever, but Jordan Harvey has played center back for the Whitecaps in reserve games before. I he doesn't. Yes, back. he has. I thought he hadn't. In reserve games. It looked like he had So he hadn't did Tommy, Tommy Heinemann yeah so did Tom and Hyman because because after that they put him there because they were like hey if an emergency do we need this let's let's put him there yeah. and see how, if that's it. and that happened in June actually as well yeah twi- twice right uh, two, two halves I just to probably. get it back to the topic yeah, yeah. it was it was a, it was a heartbreaking day
1: yeah there was a silver lining in that injury as well because it brought back the return of Carlisle Mitchell, who returned back yeah. from Edmonton after Playful, Colin yeah. Miller had said that he was the best defender in NASL. Yeah. So, you know, he came back. He his first start was against the New England Revolution, which was uh, one of the craziest games I think yeah, all season. Fantastic. Back and yeah. forth game. Um, Very lucky to get the win. Yes. But it was, it was. I think it still was well deserved. Some great goals by Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller was really good in that game. They looked miserable to start the game. It uh, looked horrible defending once again. Yeah, uh, two goals down in the first twenty minutes. Jordan Harvey, don't know what he was doing on one of those goals. Uh, but they rebounded back. Dodgy penalty. Still a penalty. Still called. It's not a penalty when you trip yourself up in the box, which
0: is basically what Miller did.
1: that's 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 called the skill oh no that's he caught the back of his yeah Yeah, Um, I'm still not sure the bounce goal was good take a bounce the thing is you catch
2: the back of the heel and then on the downswing you hit the turf you go down right yeah But they won the game It was a good
1: good way To rebound From that Disappointing
3: Seattle game Two fantastic goals From Kenny Mick Mick Mitchell Was also not even Fully fit for that Yes ankle was injured. He was Yeah
0: Yeah. Another goal From Jordan Harvey I
1: I don't think Rashad would have Got that goal Set up by
3: Russell Of course Mm -hmm.
1: And then also There was the Manet stomp On that one Where he stomped On Shuttleworth What did he really Stomp Oh, yeah. God. he got suspended for that it wasn't even it was barely a grazing and they, they, they suspended it for him no, was it,
2: was, it was 20 feet from us or i don't know how far is it 30 feet 40 feet whatever it is it, he, he it was it was intentional little knock it was and I don't even mind that because you know you're 18 oh, You're up. full of testosterone give him a little you know make it look good you know he tried he tried to make it look good
1: yeah right? So the Caps came back again the next week, they played Chivas USA. That's when all the goat's blood was being spilt all over the place. Yeah, and uh, another goal from Jordan Harvey showing just how valuable a left back he is. And he actually actually scored the 10,000th MLS goal in that game.
3: Which made me feel better because I remember it was a first kick MLS first kicker Dero got the eight thousandth, and maybe it it was... like all about him. Yeah, like was... he
2: scored all eight thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, who knows
3: if
1: if Dero had joined the Whitecaps, maybe he would have got the ten thousandth goal. Yeah. So uh, the Caps uh, obviously uh, beat Chivas USA three one in that game. It was another comeback as well, and this was where at that point Tybert had, uh, I think Tybert had six assists in four games, yeah. which is fantastic. Tybert, Camillo, we and Miller. They were they were on fire, on fire out there though. That was the yeah. threesome up top. Yeah, their final game in the month of June was an away win. They continued their winning streak after that Seattle loss. Win in D- in DC against United. It was uh, it was another. It was actually this was a, probably a, a right penalty call against Matt Watson. Yeah, it was, and they converted that. Good it on, wasn't. Maddie. It wasn't an inspiring game, but it, they did enough to win the game in away territory. That was the
3: inspiring thing was that it was an away performance with an away result. Yes. It was like, okay, it was a penalty gig. It was 1-0. It wasn't super pretty. But we got the job what done. What was
2: DC? Yeah, that had like seven points at that point. In the they game. were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: White
1: cats played like my, my ex-girlfriend Claire. Wasn't pretty. Got the job done. <laughs> so a couple of minor points about that, that month uh, we want to talk about. It was actually the first appearance of Jay Demer in training after his what we thought was going to be a season-ending injury. Career-ending. Oh, yeah. Some people thought career-ending. It was also... The residency playoff week they were able to advance even though they were kind of being pigeonholed into by usda to you know collapse in that in those games they were putting against different so opponents is, every uh, two seconds yeah. reach finals week back to we'll, back years. we'll come back to we'll come to finals week in july and it was their uh, their one of their trophies that they won that year uh it didn't make up for the voyager's cup but it was still a, a plate it was the one if you could place Thanks to a With double save, man, save Double Whoa. save by Marco Carducci AFTN no, save the You can't fear. even
2: call that a double save It's got to have its own name
1: It's a Carducci, yeah. Carducci. That was amazing
2: hey, Marco Carducci I asked him right after the game When I was talking I asked him like Who was go through your head? He's like Oh no I just saw things And I moved around <laughs> I like Holy moly man You
0: know I saw the guy there it was like, I keep meaning to ask the Caps if they have video of that just like because they filmed all the games they must have something they don't stuff has been videoed, that day I don't don't, know it's never never been released if if it has been
1: because they were probably it was an intern who didn't turn it on properly like
2: did did anyone there not see the the second shot going in like, let yeah, alone the yeah, first. Yeah. It's clearly going After out. the first save, when the ball settled again, you're like, like, did anyone think there was any hope at that moment?
1: No. It, it was looked like it incredible. was going to be lost, too. That that basically seemed... Because oh, yeah. it was a 1-1 draw. They won on, basically, goal differential yeah. over the series. Yeah. From losing on weight goals to winning on yeah. goal differential. The biggest off-season story of June was the signing of David Usted. That happened on June 20th, officially. Coincidentally... A month before, less than a month before, Martin Rennie had given a vote of confidence to Brad Knighton.
0: Well, he still so, gave him a vote of confidence because he played him um, in July, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the next. But podcast. it was just
1: funny that they they were giving, saying, Brad Knighton just needs to keep doing the thing he's doing, and then all of a sudden, they're, while they're working at the same time, working on bringing in another keeper, in, who was definitely going to be the starter because of the money they were paying him and the fact that they uh, traded Rochelle out together. Well,
3: oh, I mean, they, they were bringing in a keeper because they felt the keepers that had were okay but not as good as they'd like them to be. Yeah. And and, 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 the, and the, in terms of what they were saying publicly and privately, was no different than what they would have said if they were bringing in a keeper or not. It, it fit with their philosophy of like, let's build the players up, yeah. let's make them confident, and let's work on their deficiencies, but uh, uh, do everything we can to, to yeah. fill their
2: buckets, as, as they would say. But, I mean, Ad is one of those guys who's just, you know, it's you you overrate the guys in your own kit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see him in New England and we'll wonder how we ever thought he was that good if he ever plays,
3: you know? He's going to play, I think.
2: Wow. So
0: that's, that's June. That's the first part of the podcast. Year of review all wrapped up. So that's it for this episode of There's Still Time. We'll just quickly go around the table and tell everyone where they can find you online. Steven?
2: Uh, Slamo on Twitter at SSSLAMO.
3: Steve
1: at Whitecaps Meet.
3: Zachary at Adam Meisenheimer's Zachary AM on Twitter. Oh, and the movement is Curva Collective.
0: Send us an email at aftncanadahotmail.com or send us a tweet. At AFTN Canada on Twitter And you can read all our stuff on AFTN At AFTN.ca On Canadian Soccer News So until next time Which is going to be a special Christmas show we're Going to have some outtakes It's going to be a little bit X-rated So if you're of a sensitive disposition You're not going to want to listen to that And we're also going to have some special music featured in the show as well So until next time, thanks for listening And mon the caps one day i shall come back yes i shall come back
2: until then there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that i am not mistaken in mine